This is the Statman Sports Podcast, where we keep topics in context. This is your host, Steve Duffus, who is still wondering why the Seahawks didn't run the ball. Ah, it's a beautiful day to talk sports, baby. Welcome to the Statman Sports Podcast. This is your host, Steve Duffus. Man, welcome. Welcome to episode number 15, guys. I hope you guys had an amazing week. If you're here for the first time listening to the podcast, I thank you for tuning in. For those of you who've been there since day one, I appreciate all the support. Man, you're wondering what we got going on today. Well, NBA, NFL. In the NFL, we know... The playoffs is coming soon. The games are getting tighter. The scores are not as high as they used to be. But man, we've seen the New England Patriots dwindling slowly in front of our eyes, especially Tom Brady. So we're going to talk about that and what's going on there in New England. We also want to talk about the San Diego Chargers, the Kansas City Chiefs, and who are the Super Bowl favorites. We're going to talk about that as well. And in the NBA, I'm not just going to talk about the scores in any particular game that stood out but more so an article that has been written by espn sports reporter malika andrews shout out to malika andrews for this amazing amazing article it talks about the four point line some of you might be thinking wait a minute four point line where's this coming from but just just keep listening and we're going to talk about this so you can understand what what this transformation has been doing in a couple of years in the NBA. It's quite interesting and uh, we'll, we'll head up on it. But man, if you haven't already, guys, remember to rate, subscribe to the podcast because it will always do me well. I appreciate all the support, guys. But for right now, I don't want to keep you listening to my voice in this intro so much but let's just get right into these topics man with no further ado let's just get right into it with what are you talking about bro huh what are you talking about man what (laughs) bro what are you talking about man so we came across this article um reading about uh the nba and how the uh the the recent offensive explosion has been happening and uh you know just uh some insider information guys you know when we when we prepare to do these podcasts you know during the week you prepare to cover some topics you know what you're going to talk about and then something just pop up and you say man this is something you need to talk about and i felt like for this segment this would be highly highly something that people want to be interested in knowing about so this article is called How the Four-Point Line and Other Court Markings Are Changing the NBA. And I'm saying to myself, what? Four-point line? <laughs> what are we now in the video game era? Well, we are in the video game era. But, of course, since 1951, the NBA hasn't really changed. It's three-point line. It's just been three points. No matter how far or how close you are to the line, it counts as three points. But lately, apparently for the past two years, I mean, the Philadelphia 76ers, Brett Brown, the coach, He's uh he's been changing the game a bit in how he approaches his uh his philosophy in terms of basketball and teaching his team how to be more efficient. So shout out to uh ESPN rec- reporter Malika Andrews for uh digging up this information and sharing it with us. So I read it and I said, "Man, this is something you guys will want to hear about." So as I said, Brent Brown, the Philadelphia 76ers coach, he calls this transformation and markings 
the four point line. He comes he calls it gamify. A gamify. That's what he calls it. It's it's a word. But it's not in the way in which the coach is trying to use it for, I don't think. But pretty much Brett Brown is trying to say that he uses this invisible marking on the court, on the practice court for the Sixers, where he's trying to teach them and give them a visual of what he's trying to achieve on the basketball court. So his teaching is more so for the players to have best practices for spacing on the floor and scoring. And, of course, since Brett Brown released this a year ago in February, a lot of teams have followed. The Chicago Bulls, the Milwaukee Bucks, and a few other teams that I am sure are starting to fall into the trend. And most notably, the Atlanta Hawks. Now, I want to focus on the Atlanta Hawks because the Atlanta Hawks went out and drafted Trey Young. We all know in Oklahoma, Trey Young was the, the leading scorer in the NCAA. He almost averaged about near 30 points a game. He's a phenomenal shooter. He shoots from range. You know, he, he doesn't shoot as well as Steph Curry. By the way, nobody shoots as well as Steph Curry. But my point being is, he's a great shooter. He can space the floor. And the Atlanta Hawks followed suit with Brett Brown and tried to drop this four-point line. And in Atlanta, they dropped this four-point line. And the coach for Atlanta said that he had this line for Trey Young. And why did he have this line drawn up specifically for Trey Young? Because he says, if Trey Young can initiate a play from behind the four-point line that they drew on the practice court, defenses are forced to cover more ground and eventually make difficult choices and compromises. That's that's an interesting take. It's a very simple take. There's something you learn in basic basketball 101. You know, you, you get the ball in a certain position. You make a certain move or play. Defenses are compromised if you do it correctly. But what's interesting about this is the further the line obviously is behind the the uh, the main three-point line, the defense has to cover more ground. It's just like in the NFL. You know, you run when you play a zone play. You know, one specific player, one defensive player, needs to cover a specific area. In basketball, you're necessarily not covering areas, but you're covering a guy. And when you're forced to come out and guard a player because he's able to shoot from further range. It makes the defense a bit more difficult because now you're just not covering the guy in front of you. You also have to worry behind you because if they call a pick and roll, then the other defender who's hedging to come in to help you, he needs to cover more ground as well and also cover the man that's coming at him or going behind him. So that's an interesting take, and it makes us wonder. In this analytics age that we live in, analytics has been booming lately, well, I would say for the past three, four years. For sure. But the last 10 years, analytics have been coming slowly into the game. And teams are getting wiser. Teams are getting better. And as a result, of course, the offensive explosion in the league has been amazing. This year, we saw at the beginning of the season, the pace was like 110 points a game. And it it was absolutely amazing. And that's credited, I would say, to Brett Brown. You know, I I would say he revolutionized the game almost with this four-point line just in practice, but it gives us a visual of what can be the future for the NBA. You know, right now Atlanta it's it's they started what, six and twenty three, but they're launching thirty five point four three pointers this season, which is a lot. And that's credited again to the visual because during practices, as it says during this article, is that uh they give players a visual of where they need to be standing on the court. 
that that helps you visualize okay i need to be here in order to make a better play than what we have in a playbook and vice versa give an example the milwaukee bucks one of the teams that i mentioned that is uh also using this four point line method um giannis to me right now top three player in the nba he suffered a lot his his in his career, in the beginning of his career, because the Bucks' offense was stagnant. They always used to cover inside. Everything was covered inside the lane because, you know, Giannis couldn't shoot that well. You know, other players didn't shoot that well. Since they started implementing this gamify uh, in their practices, you can see now that the Bucks' offense, it's amazing, man. Right now, they're like top three in the league in scoring. Matter of fact, I think they are the top scoring team in the league. Giannis is having 55 uncontested dunks because guess what? The way they spread the floor now, it allows Giannis to operate in better space. Like I said, defenses have to cover more. And it's something that is very worrisome for a lot of coaches because now you have to just not cover men, but now you have to cover more spaces. And if you don't have pass players, if you don't have a great defensive scheme, it will ab- absolutely become a problem later on. And that's something that uh, I commend coaches for trying to make changes to to uh, to their offenses so they can flourish in this new NBA. But shout out again to, to uh, Malika Andrews for this article, man. It's amazing. It covers a lot of detail. If you guys want to read it, you can go to ESPN on the NBA section, man. And it's you, you will absolutely love this, man. It's it's something incredible to read. That don't make any sense. talked about revolutionizing offenses and man one offense that has been revolutionizing the nfl is drew Brees and sean payton man that's new orleans saints offense yes granted they do play in the dome but that offense is amazing and has been changing the way players play the game of football how coaches approach the game of football but this is not what we're going to talk about today this is not something that uh it's a main focus but rather who are the Super Bowl favorites with their offenses? And I've been thinking about this all week, and especially after this weekend, watching these NFL games. And you can tell it's coming to the end of the season because all these teams that started out very well, that are you know making that push to get the, you know playoff positioning, they they're running out of gas. And uh, my my Super Bowl favorite from the NFC, which from the beginning of the season it was the New Orleans Saints. It looks like uh, <laughs> things are not looking so well. Historically, they haven't been all that great outside of the Dome anyway. But uh, this past week against the Carolina Panthers, even though they squeaked out that 12-9 game yesterday on Monday Night Football in uh, in Carolina, it, it it wasn't all that pretty. The defenses have to re- the defenses had to really step up, and uh, which they did, and I commend them for that. But this is this is some statistics that are uh, quite troubling. Even though it's only been three games, it's a 16-game season. We all know that. But these are Drew Brees' numbers so far. An average, the last three games, 177 yards a game. He only threw for 2,003 interceptions. Up to three weeks ago, Drew Brees had thrown one interception. And now, what is going on? Teams are dialed in on Michael Thomas. They are focusing on the fact, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And it's quite interesting, right, how <laughs> to me it's just simple in hindsight looking at it now. Michael Thomas was carving everyone up for the first 10 weeks of the season. And now all of a sudden, all right, let's just, let's just focus in and shut them down. Uh, guys, uh, isn't that a little late? 
Well, I would say no, because it's still a regular season. You can still focus on things. And of course, you have to look on the other side of the coin. The New, the New Orleans Saints, they can also make adjustments not to make it just about Michael Thomas and not just about Drew Brees and that offense. But also the fact that yesterday they proved that if their defense steps up, they can win those gruesome 12-9 games, those gruesome 9-6 games. Because when the uh, the New York Jets were winning with Mark Sanchez at quarterback, Mark Sanchez wasn't all that great. It was the defense that's carried him all the way. But in New Orleans, it's the offense that's carrying them, and the defense is being average, but they're still making it. But to win a Super Bowl, you can't have an average defense. The only way you can have an average defense and win a Super Bowl, it's when your offense is amazingly over the top. Like Shannon Sharp likes to say, transcendently great. That's the only way you can actually win if your off if your defense is average. And uh that made me think about right now who are the Super Bowl favorites? Because at the beginning of the season everyone's talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, the New England Patriots, including myself. I picked the New England Patriots to win the Super Bowl, to even obviously make it to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, and I thought they would play the New Orleans Saints. That can still be the case right now. But if we if we look at the numbers, Tom Brady <laughs> It looks like now his age is catching up to him. At the beginning of the season, everyone was talking about, no, the pitch is going to be a fine. You know, they started out one and two, and they, they ran off, I think, six or seven games straight. It's typical New England. But lately, we've been seeing a trend with Tom Brady and the pitcher's offense that's a bit troubling as well, just like the Saints. They haven't been scoring a lot. Tom Brady's throwing a lot of picks, and he's making uncharacteristic place if you watch the game between the Patriots and the Steelers on Sunday score ended 17 to 10 typical game it looked like a playoff game to me in Pittsburgh but Tom Brady make a few plays in that game that was uh quite uh interesting because I've never seen that in Tom Brady's career and I don't know if it's uh impatient if he's being impatient, if it's a lack of trust with his receivers, is there a lot of truck trust on his defense? I don't know what it is. But uh that interception he threw in the end zone, which I still don't understand. What was that? He did he didn't get hit. He did get rushed in his face, but I didn't understand why he threw it at that side of the field. Tom Brady usually takes the ball and throws it away. But in that instance he just threw an interception that cost him seven points and ultimately that's the seven points they lost the game by. Right before the half, Tom Brady took a sack when he usually doesn't take a sack. He either throws the ball away or he creates something out of nothing. So what is going on in New England? Is is The question is now, is all the years of Super Bowl runs and, you know, all these years of scheming and, uh, you know, playing with below average players catching up to them now? Is Tom Brady getting older and less mobile what is the issue now? Because these were the excuses. Three, four weeks ago, they were winning. But now they're excuses. So what is going on in New England? But on the other end, we got to look at the San Diego Chargers. The excuse was always was Philip Rivers is not a winner. The Chargers don't play good defense. They always start well and they finish badly. They play well at home. They don't play well on the road. Well, this season, we've seen a trend with the Chargers. They start out the game pretty slow at the second half of the season, and then they make amazing comebacks. They made an amazing comeback against the Steelers. They made an amazing comeback against the Chiefs. And this past week, 
They just made another amazing comeback. So are they the Super Bowl favorite in my eyes right now? I tend to not waver on my picks. And I'm still going to stick with the New England Patriots making it to the Super Bowl. Because (laughs) every time I pick against the Patriots, they always come up with a winning way. Regardless of how bad they're doing for a particular season. And I can't count against them. But as of right now, I'll say this. The San Diego Chargers are playing as the best team in the NFL at the moment. Go back to the NFC. Are the Saints going to win the NFC? I still believe so because going through the Dome in the playoffs, it's going to be tough. Does Dallas have a chance? They still have to worry about the Philadelphia Eagles. Speaking of the Philadelphia Eagles, do we consider them now, if they make it to the playoffs, one of the Super Bowl favorites? Because whisper, could Carson Wentz has been the problem all this time? Could he? Because since Carson Wentz went down, I mean, and they have Nick Foles back at quarterback, they have been winning. So what? what is it? What is it really? To me right now, from all the teams we mentioned, the Chiefs, the Saints, the Patriots, the Rams, the Bears, I don't trust the Bears at all. I trust their defense, but I don't trust Mitchell Trubisky. And I definitely do not trust Jared Goff in the playoffs. Absolutely not. So as of right now, keep me on record, guys. Episode number 15. We have two more weeks left in this in this uh, NFL season. I'm still sticking with the New England Patriots to win the Super Bowl again. And I have them playing the New Orleans Saints in the Super Bowl. So mark me down. Take it. Take that to the bank. Here's by the numbers. This is your stance of the day. Ah, for today's stat of the day, man, the number is number five. And I can already hear people in in my head going, oh, man, lately you've been uh, talking about Messi a lot because uh, you're a fanboy of Messi. No, not really. Because every week, apparently, like he has been doing for his entire career, Lionel Messi is, again, breaking football records. But yet, people want to discuss this as if he's not the undisputed greatest player of all time. But let's get back to the point. The number is number five. Because Lionel Messi has now won his fifth Golden Shoe Award. The most ever by any footballer. More than Ronaldo. More than the real Ronaldo. More than Pele. More than Maradona, more than everybody else. In 2009, 2010, Messi won his first award, scoring 34 goals in the all-top five leagues in Europe. Then 2011, 2012, he scored 50 goals. Then 2012, 2013 season, he scored 46 goals. Then in 2016, 2017, he scored 37 goals. And then last year, he scored 34 goals. So I just want to congratulate the undisputed, amazing Lionel Messi. The great Lionel Messi, the captain of FC Barcelona. Oh, you should be such a fanboy. Look at you. Hey, you know what I do? I do just like the other LeBron fans. I report the way it is, and I call it like it is. LeBron only has one move. He bulldozed those people to the lane, but he's still averaging 27, 8, and 8. But I don't hear none of y'all complaining, and none of y'all not saying, oh, he's greater than Michael Jordan. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. I'm speaking to you guys. 
I know you're over there frowning and, and rolling your eyes, but this is what it is. It's my podcast, and I talk about what I feel like it on this. <laughs> oh, man, that's just a little rant, guys, but it is what it is. It's all fun. But shout out again to the great forward for FC Barcelona, Lionel Messi. Congratulations on his fifth Golden Shoe Award. I'm sure there's more to come in his career. But man, that was the stat of the day. The number five. Keep it in context, Billy. Tell the whole story. This week, in keeping it in context, I want to focus on something that I already talked about a few weeks ago, but I think we need to be reminded of. I'm not going to get into too much detail, but it's uh, coaching matters. Coaching really matters in any sport. And if you think otherwise, you're not a real sports fan or you don't really understand what goes on in sports. People think, oh, you just put a team together, you just put a bunch of players that are well together, and they'll automatically will win. Yes, if you do that 10 times, most likely that team will probably win two out of 10 times. That's not a great percentage. Jose Mourinho, for those of you who watch soccer, football, Jose Mourinho just got sacked. If you know, if you know his history, Jose Mourinho is the only manager in football history to have won the treble twice. If you don't know what the treble is, the treble is is when you win your domestic league, you win yeah, you win the domestic league, you win that league's uh prestigious trophy and you win the UEFA Champions League. Jose Mourinho did that with Porto and he also did that with uh Milan in Italy. So he has a great resume. He has won a lot of leagues. He won the Premier League a bunch of times. He won, obviously, the Portuguese League. Um, he's won the, the Serie A, the league. So he, he's done a lot of great things as a manager over the course of his career. In the beginning of his career, along with the winning, he has been very, very strict. He's still a strict man. He has a very stern attitude. He he answers the way he wants to answer to people. He talks to players however he wants to talk to them. But he has a philosophy behind all that. If you play hard, you get rewarded. But that doesn't work all the time, Jose Mourinho. And for the Jose Mourinho fans out there, you might wonder, well, why are you being so harsh on him? Why Why didn't Man United just keep him a little bit longer? Well, because just like in the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers and the players that were there, after a while, the same voice you get tired of hearing it. The same philosophies don't work very well. And that is the issue. Just like in basketball, just like in football, and in soccer, it applies the same. The game changes. The rule, the rules are about the same. The game changes. There are tactics that change. The players change. The players become faster, smarter. Analytics change the way you approach the game. And some managers, because they have won early in their career, in, in earlier in earlier uh, eras of the game of football, they think that that will apply in the future. And that is not the case most of the time. And Jose Mourinho has not adapted his philosophy over these past years. And you can tell with Man United, the players were not all that happy. Paul Pogba, when Mourinho got fired today, Paul Pogba went right away on Instagram. This is the era we live in now. When things happen, we get it real time just from players. We just don't get it from newspapers. We just don't get it from the internet. The real players, they show their real feelings. And a lot of players on Man United, they were quite happy that Jose Mourinho left because his tactics don't work with them. I don't think these players didn't want to work hard. Look, you can't become a professional football player in this world if you don't work hard, if you don't have talent. 
There's a lot of players in the world that play football. Matter of fact, in America, we think the NFL is the greatest sport there is. Um, newsflash, the game of soccer, football, is global. It's worldwide. <laughs> this past World Cup had 20 times more viewers than the NFL had a total combined the past 10 years. Just let that sink in. So back to the point. Soccer and football are not comparable when it comes to viewers. People around the world relate more to football. There are so many good players out there in the world. But for you to get noticed, you need to work really hard. You need to have an outstanding talent. You need to be noticed. And when you get to this level, you tend to work hard. So my point being is the Man United players, it's not like they didn't want to work hard. Matter of fact, I'll even go further. I think they just stopped caring because of the manager. Because the manager was just hard-headed and he didn't want to adapt his tactics or his structures to adapt to the team so they can perform well. Look, some of you might disagree with me. Some of you might agree with me. I am of the type that I feel as a coach, even though I have my tactics in the ground, I have my basis, I have my philosophy on how, on how I want a game to go. I want my players to play a certain way. Of course, you lay down the ground rules. But you also, just like a teacher in the classroom, you need to know your students. You need to understand how do they learn better. We talked about earlier on the podcast. Look at that Brett Brown for the Philadelphia 76ers. He put down a four-point line. To me, is revolutionary. It's the way he approached the game. Players now in the NBA shoot a lot of three-pointers. So why not visualize something for them, for them to understand? Okay, if you want to shoot these long three-pointers, you have to have a backup plan. If your three-pointers are not going, you space the floor, you come out further, you can see the court better. Your pick and rolls are going to get better. The defense is going to cover more areas. And so, if you understand that concept, you will be more successful. Jose Mourinho didn't do that. He wanted to apply this grinding, pushing tactic that worked back in the 90s. Look, man, back in 90s football, everybody were grinders. Now, you don't have grinders in the world of football. You have skill players, you have finesse players, you have players that work with uh, the, the way FC Barcelona used to play back in the day. You play tiki-taki, you play flashy, and Jose Mourinho didn't adapt to that. His players just couldn't adapt to it. Sometimes it was su- successful, and most of the time it wasn't. I'm sorry, the goal now is not to just win your league. Right now, aside from the World Cup, the UEFA Champions League is the cup everybody wants to win, and Jose Mourinho hasn't won that since... I don't even know when. That was the last time he won. Real Madrid won the last three. Barcelona won two of the the three before Real Madrid won. Bayern Munich won. Chelsea won. And Jose Mourinho wasn't near any of them. So what is that saying about him as a manager and as a coach? Did he deserve to get sacked? Absolutely. I think they absolutely took too long to send him away. I don't like Jose Mourinho and his tactics. If... We're talking about the 90s. They're very well applicable then. He was very successful then. He won a lot of cups. He won a lot of awards. He won a lot of managers of the years back then. Now, we're in the 2000s. We're in the late 2000s. We're in 2018. The game has changed. Analytics play into the game. Players are more finesse-wise. Players don't like to get hit anymore. Players want to play a brand of football where their brand has been exposed. They can play this flair game. They play in a way where it's appealing to the fans and appealing to them in the locker room. Again, I'm not advocating for players 
for players to get what they want whenever they want because they make millions of dollars. Just like the players, the coaches do make millions of dollars as well. And just like I said at the beginning, coaching do matter. But as a coach, if you don't adapt your philosophy as well to a certain extent, to appease to your players, to make sure your players understand that, hey, we're going to work in unison for us to win together, you're not going to make it far. So, yes, I believe Jose Mourinho's time in Man United was overextended. I think he just got that chance because of his past resume. But let's be real, man. It was real time for him to go. Just think about this. I'm going to leave you with this thought, all right? Zinedine Zidane, the great, amazing midfielder for France, he won three, three UEFA Champions League in a row in Real Madrid, and they let him go last season. Think about that. What was it? Was it that the players weren't winning? They were winning. They were following along with his philosophy. But hey, after a while, you don't want to hear that same voice anymore. After winning, you want to move on. And Man United did the right thing by moving on. They had to go away because Jose Mourinho was not doing it for them anymore. I wish Jose Mourinho well. I'm personally not a fan of his. But hey, I hope he does well wherever else he goes. And I'm intrigued to see what Man United is going to do now that they got rid of the guy that was keeping them back. So let's see what's going to go on. Ooh, man. Ha. Ah, that that was that was great, man. That was amazing. You know, I felt good this week. Uh, we got right to the point. We talked about it a lot, guys. But again, before I let you go, I also want to thank you once again for showing all the love and support. For the new listeners, if you haven't subscribed, if you haven't uh, rated the podcast, you can go on Apple iTunes, you can go on uh, on Spotify, you can go on TuneIn. It's everywhere online, so you can find the Statman Sports Podcast. Remember as well, if you go on our Instagram page, you saw that we have our t-shirts posted. You can find those on store.statmanpodcast.com. Again, thanks for all the love and support. And next week, we're going to see you for another episode. But for right now, Statman, signing out. Thanks for listening to the Statman Sports Podcast. See you next time.